0: Okay, so first of all, before we do anything else, I have to announce, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? It is finally out. The 10 really dumb mistakes that very smart couples make is finally in the stories. It's in hardcover. It's uh, it's actually, it's a great book. Um, Chaz De Hashem, We've received such tremendous, um, tremendous positive feedback. We sent out about a thousand uh, pre-publication copies. When I say we, I don't mean that the royal we. I mean... There's a team in Israel of three women who basically are dedicated now, for, you know, pretty much uh, this is their job, to promote the Shmuz, promote the book, and Chaz uh, and Hashem, they're doing a great, great job. And uh, again, we sent about 1,000 pre-publication copies to <clears throat> Kala teachers, Chasen teachers, marriage therapists, and the response has been overwhelming. Um, why wasn't this book written before? This is great, I love it. We, can I order copies? How can I get it? So in any case, it is now... Out there, it's in the stores. Uh, it's on theshmuz.com. If you'd like to get a copy, you just go to the theshmuz.com. theshmu dot com. On the top, you'll see a banner. Click it, and you're you're in. You're good to go. Uh, so please uh, please avail yourself of it. It's really um, it's been a long journey. Okay, let's let's begin. Yitzhak is getting older, and at a certain point, he says to Esav, I want to give you the bracha. He tells Esav to go out, hunt, bring me back an animal, I'll sad nafshi, I'll be satisfied, and then I'll give you the bracha with full kavana. Rivka overhears this, tells Yaakov to go sneak in. Yaakov sneaks in instead gets the bracha, and Esav, in the end, is duped. Esav is furious, and decides he's going to kill his brother, when will my father's time of mourning for my father's death come? At which point I will kill Yaakov. <clears throat> Rivka was told this, Barucha Kodish. She told Yaakov, run away. Your brother Esav wants to kill you. So in fact, Yaakov runs away. First, he spends 14 years at the Yeshiva Sheva Aver, and then he spends the time at the well meets Rachel. But before he stops in the Yeshiva Sheva Aver, as he's leaving, his home, Hashem appears to him and gives him a bracha. Hashem appears to him and says, Ushmar Sicha Bechol I will guard you wherever you go. Sicha And I will return you to this land. A very clear guarantee, a very clear bracha. Hashem promises, you will not be harmed, you're going to Lovan, you're going to meet up with Esav, do not fear, I will guard you the whole way. After that, Yaakov goes to the Yeshiva Sheva for 14 years, After that he goes to the well, he meets Rachel, they agree to marry. He works seven years for Rachel, he's fooled, it's Leah, not Rachel, he wakes up in the morning and says to Lovin, why'd you dupe me? Lovin says, work another seven years, he works another seven years. We're now 14 years into this, at that point Yaakov says, time for me to leave. And Lovin says, you can't leave, Yaakov says, I have to. Stay longer, this money you'll be able to keep for yourself. So he works another six years. So after 20 years at Lovin's house, he's now ready to leave. Now as he's leaving, he recognizes that he's going back to his father, but that means he's also going to Esav. And Parshish Vayishlach opens up, and that he sends out Malachim to see what is Esav's state. 34 years ago, he ran away from Esav, because Esav wanted to kill him. question is, what is Esav's state now? And the Malachim come back and tell him, Banu Elachicha Aesav, we got to your brother. And he's still Esav. But not only is he still Ace of the Russia, he's coming out to meet you with 400 armed men. He's coming out to kill you. The Pussy then says, Vayira Yaakov, ma'od. Yaakov was filled with fear, very, very <coughs> much afraid. And then he split up the Machines. And in fact, Rashi explains to so us he prepared for three things. He split up the two Machines. And that was his escape hatch he prepared a doro and a very fancy gift he prepared tefillah and he prepared for war if one camp will be attacked he'll defend that camp and at most some people might be killed from there but the other camp will be saved he recognized that it was a mortal danger he prepared for all three and in fact Asav did not attack and Yaakov left in peace but what's interesting to note is the Gemara's question and the Gemara says, Yaakov, ma'od. Yaakov is filled with fear. Says Rav Yaakov Idi, that's a contradiction. How could Yaakov been afraid? Didn't Hashem say, Yush didn't Hashem promise you, I'll guard you? How is it possible that Yaakov was afraid? Hashem promised him and they would guard him. The Gemara answers, Yes, it's true that Hashem promised me, but maybe I sinned, I'm no longer the man I used to be. Hashem promised that man to guard him. I'm no longer on that level. I'm no longer deservant. And maybe at this stage, that promise no longer applies, and therefore Yaakov was afraid. The Gemara's kasha was, he couldn't possibly be afraid, because Hashem promised him. The answer is, he was afraid, because he thought the promise may no longer apply, because, in fact, maybe he sinned. And that's the Gemara. And I'd like to ask what I consider the obvious question on this Gemara. And that is, that what is the contradiction? Yaakov sends out the Malachim and finds out that Esav is coming out to greet him with 400 armed men, mercenaries, and ready to fight, ready to kill him. Maybe he was afraid. What does the Gemara say? It can't possibly be that he was afraid. Hashem promised him. Maybe Yaakov Avinu was a mortal human being. Granted, he was one of the others, granted much holier than you and I, but at the end of the day, he had the same struggle that every human being has. Intellectually, I know things, but emotionally, I don't feel them. Now, granted, he was on a much higher level, but let's understand, this was very, very serious, grave situation. And this was a situation where his brother, who's his twin, who's his equal, is coming to meet him with 400 armed men with an army. Obviously, there's a lot to be afraid of. Why did the Gomorrah say it's not possible he was afraid? It's impossible, and the Gomorrah has to answer, maybe the promise doesn't apply because he sinned, maybe it's simply Yaakov was afraid because he was a human being. And if that question doesn't really bother you yet, let's focus on when that promise happened. 34 years ago. It was before he went to the Sheva Vaver. and Before the seven years, the next seven years, the next six years... 34 years ago, Hashem promised him, and Igmar says, it's not possible for Yaakov to be afraid. Oh, the answer is, maybe there was a sin, so the promise doesn't apply. What's the question? Maybe Yaakov was afraid. It was 34 years ago. He's in grave danger. Maybe he was simply terrified. Why did we have Akasha? And why did they need that answer? And to answer this question, we need to understand a little bit better the entire concept of Emunah, and, and to do that, let me share with you an observation. Imagine that we're walking in a street, and uh, <clears throat> suddenly three thugs jump out and surround us. They surround us, and they're getting ready to attack. And I say to you, listen, there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> Don't even break a sweat. At home, I got a big gun. I got a Glock, 9mm, <clears throat> 14 bullets. It's <clears throat> loaded, it's ready to go. There's nothing to be afraid of. Now, I assume you would not find much consolation for my words, because my big gun at home isn't going to do us much good over here. There are three guys, two of us, my gun that's sitting at home isn't going to help us. The very first concept to make emuna relevant, the very first concept before a Jew can actually engage in the question of Hashem's involvement, is the understanding that Hashem is here. Hashem is present. If Hashem is up there 13 billion light years away, Hashem, can you hear me? Then Hashem is irrelevant. Hashem can't help me. Hashem is mighty, Hashem is great. But if Hashem is not here, then Hashem is not relevant to my life. Because in my life, very, very scary things happen. Cars suddenly jump the meridian. Planes sometimes do strange things. There are pandemics... There are many frightful things that occur. If Hashem is not here, Hashem is not relevant to my life. And the very first concept that a Jew has to understand if they want to have any level of emuna is that Hashem is present. But present means 24-7, 365, here, everywhere, wherever I go, wherever I walk, when I put my head down on a pillow at night, when I open my eyes in the morning, as I'm walking down the street, as I get behind the wheel of my car to drive, All day, every day, Hashem is here, present, 24-7. One of the names that we refer to Hashem with is Hamakom, the place. Why is that one of the, Kino is one of the expressions that we use for Hashem? Because Hashem is the place. There's no particle of physicality that exists without Hashem constantly infusing energy into it. Any place that is a place, Hashem is there. And that is the very first concept that a person has to clearly understand. Because if Hashem is not here, if Hashem is up in heaven, then Hashem is not relevant to my life. And if you think that this is a lofty concept, I'd like to share with you, it's fundamental, it's basic, and more than that, this is the essence of tefillah. Mr. Sharm describes, dominating to us, he says, I'm having a conversation. Imagine I'm speaking to my friend right here. My friend may respond, he may not respond, but I'm speaking to him right here. Zuhi hi That is davening. Speaking to Hashem right here. But you see, it's speaking to Hashem directly right here, having a conversation. And that is one of the holiest concepts a Jew can come to. I hate to make this admission in public, but it's not that uncommon. That before I begin Shemona Esrei, I want to say the words, I'm sorry, I, I forgot you were here. You see, I'm very busy. I'm doing, I'm taking care of the world. I'm, I'm taking care of everything in my life. And when I stop to Daman Shemona and at that point I have to say, Oh, I'm sorry, Hashem, I forgot you were here. I've got it's your world. I've got you run the world. I've got you were present. And this concept, <clears throat> while it's fundamental, while it's basic, is very, very difficult to feel. And anyone who tells you, no, 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 I know Hashem is here, I'm fully aware, I'll give you a very simple litmus test. And that is, when was the last time you fainted during dominating? Right? When was the last time you passed out? When was the last time, somewhere by Shmako you just, whew, passed out? Now, I want you to understand something. If I recognize the simple reality that I'm speaking to God, the creator of the heavens and earth, far richer than Bill Gates, Far more clever than Jeff Bezos, I'm more powerful than the president than I we're talking to God. I'm speaking to Hashem himself right here. How is it possible that I'm not so overwhelmed by emotion that I'm so moved that I just faint away? And the answer is because Hashem is very good at doing that which Hashem does. You see, Hashem put us into this world to grow and accomplish, to become the great people we can be for eternity. But for us to grow, for us to really work, there has to be a challenge. And the challenge has to be an even playing field. I have to be able to just as easily go left, just as easily go right, and just as easily become great, and just as easily waste my time mire in the mud. But here's the great problem. How do you take a brilliant Nishama, a brilliant, insightful, thinking, intelligent person, and give him free will? In my entire life, not once, not once, not once have I eaten a laundry pod. Not one time. Not even when I was in high school. Not even when I was college age. I never once swallowed a laundry detergent packet. Uh, <clears throat> why not? Because even though it's quite popular today, because it's stupid. I don't drink bleach. I don't put my hands on fire. I don't play in traffic because it's self-inflicted damage, and I'm not out of my mind. So here's the problem. Every mitzvah helps me grow. Every aver damages me. And I'm an intelligent person. I get it. I recognize the damage. I recognize the growth. How do I free will? How do you give a brilliant neshama that understands that for eternity, I am what I shape myself into? Every word, every conversation, every action becomes an indelible part of me and the value there is so incredible the value there is so beyond our understanding and I know that so how do you give a person free will and to do that <clears throat> Hashem put us into this guf and Hashem mixed us together with a Bahami and we're in this mix we're occluded, we're blocked I'm covered by layers and layers of physicality and my brilliant thinking the neshama is clouded is blocked, sometimes I see things, sometimes I don't Sometimes I'm confused, sometimes I get it straight, but I'm in this ever-obscure, ever-confused state. I'm literally drunk. Drunk with this world, drunk with this reality called the Nefesh Bahami. and for that reason it's very, very difficult to experience Hashem. If you'd like a mashal to what it's like, imagine I have a shortwave radio, and it's a very, very good shortwave radio. It can receive signals from literally across the world. And imagine I take the shortwave radio, and I put it into an underground bunker, 20 feet deep behind concrete. My fine shortwave radio, under 20 feet of concrete, is not going to have very good reception, because the radio waves can't penetrate. The concrete is too thick, the radio waves can't get in there, and my shortwave radio is worthless. In that sense, I am sitting under layers and layers of physicality. I'm blocked, I'm occluded. When I'm davening, I know that I'm speaking to Hashem, but I can't feel, I can't experience. I'm blind. I'm deaf and dumb and blind. I'm drunk with this thing called this world, and I can't experience Hashem. And when you understand that, you understand the essence of davening. If you'd like to know what davening is, davening is an opportunity to cut through the haze, Cut through the layers and layers of physicality and speak to your Creator. And the Mishru explains to us, you should close your eyes. Unless you're looking at a sitter to see the words, you should close your eyes. And why? Because you see, all of my senses deny Hashem's presence. I relate to this world with my senses. I see, I touch, I feel, I smell. All of my senses deny Hashem's presence. And the reason for that is because Hashem has no goof. Hashem is limitless, boundless. Hashem is beyond all physicality. Hashem is behind all physicality. Hashem is everywhere at all times and is nowhere to be found because Hashem has no manifestation in the physical world. And for me to be able to speak to my Creator, for me to be able to relate to my Creator, I have to transcend physicality. I have to break beyond these barriers and break beyond my goof. I have to close my eyes and tap in to understandings that are far deeper. And when I do that, and I speak directly to Hashem, I experience Hashem. And what a Jew could accomplish in dominating is beyond description. I could cut through the haze, (laughs) stop the static, and connect to my Creator, speak to Hashem right there. And arguably that is one of the most powerful spiritual experiences you'll ever have. If you like to understand the answer to Yaakov Avino, I think it's really quite simple. You see, when I walk down the street, I'm alone. When Yaakov Avino walked down the street, Hashem was right there. Hashem was there 24-7, 365, and Yaakov Avino knew it. Afraid of Lovon? Afraid of Yaakov? Afraid of Esav? 400 men? What are you talking about? Imagine that you and I are walking down the street, but instead of my telling you that I have a gun at home, imagine that we are surrounded by the entire U.S. Marine Corps and three thugs jump us we see the machine guns, we see the tanks we see the grenade launchers we're not afraid of three punks you see, when Yaakov Avinu walked down the street Hashem was with him 24-7 how is it possible that he's afraid of Esav Hashem promised him, I was 34 years ago what difference does that make Hashem was there every day of Yaakov Avinu's life Hashem was there, and Hashem was present, and Hashem promised him, the Gemara says it's not possible that he was afraid. Well, the answer is, well, maybe Hashem promised me then, but maybe since then I'm no longer the same man, maybe the promise no longer applies. The reason why the Gemara knew it was a contradiction was because it's not possible for Yaakov to be afraid because Hashem was there with him right at that moment. And I believe that this concept is fundamental and key for us understanding what life is really about. We spend an inordinate amount of time davening. And if you don't hook in to what tefillah is, arguably you're wasting a lot of that time. And I'll explain to you what I mean in very simple terms. There's a certain measure of time that's considered sufficient to learn a new skill. If you put in two hours a day for two years you will be able to accomplish most simple skills. You want to learn a new language? Two hours a day, two years, you'll be pretty proficient. Want to learn to play a musical instrument? Two hours a day, two years, you'll be pretty... pretty well. Want to learn to fly a plane? <clears throat> want to learn to scuba dive? Two hours a day, and <clears throat> two years, you become a certified scuba diver, you become a licensed ship captain, become an instrument-rated pilot. Two years, <clears throat> two hours a day is about what it takes. Now, here's an observation to think about. We daven Shachras, Mincha, Marav. Shachras, certainly if you're done with the Minya, is close to an hour. <clears throat> mincha, another 15, 20 minutes. Marav, another 15 minutes. You got a string of brachas during the day, you have benching, you have Shabbos, it's a lot longer. You will spend at least two hours a day davening. Two hours a day, every day of your life, Shabbos and Yom Tov, even more, day after day, and day after day. And here's the question. Did you become an expert at this activity? Do you know what two hours a day connecting to Hashem is? Do you know what two hours a day recognizing that Hashem is present, speaking to my Creator? And do you know what lofty levels I could reach? But if you really want to understand how profound this point is, there's a level called expert. Expert level means it's not just that you know how to fly a plane, not just that you know how to play a musical instrument, and not just you know the language, you're an expert at it. To reach that level called expert, there's a number out there that's thrown around 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours is the amount of time that a professional hockey player will play until he's ready for the NHL. and That's the amount of time that a rock star will practice until he's ready to make it big time apparently 10,000 hours is considered the amount of time that's needed to become an expert at whatever activity you're doing. Okay, let's do the math. If I'm dominating 2 hours a day, 365 days, we'll call it about 700 hours a year. Now, if you're going to add that up, in 10 years, that's about 7,000 hours. 20 years, 14,000 hours. So what that means in simple language is If you begin davening at 13 years of age, by the time you're 27 years old, you will have spent approximately 10,000 hours in davening. Now, here's the question Are you an expert on Hashem? Are you fully cognizant and aware? Have you really cut through the haze and really, really (coughs) created within yourself a clear understanding? And the simple reality is probably not, unless you do something that's very, very difficult to do, and that is work on davening. And work on davening means really focusing, really paying attention, really knowing what the words mean, and really paying attention when you're davening. And you really have to work on it. The payback is incredible. The payback is life-changing. Number one, I can influence every single decision, every single activity in my life. Because Hashem is quite powerful. And Hashem is very influential. And every single outcome from now until I leave this planet and long after is determined by Hashem, directly controlled, directly orchestrated by the Creator. And I can influence those decisions. I can influence Hashem by begging, beseeching, imploring. Do you understand the impact, the power? I get to ask Hashem for help. Help, Hashem, I need help earning a living, Shalom bayis, my children. <clears throat> there's so many issues that all of us deal with, and I get to influence the outcome. That alone is a mighty, mighty impressive reason to daven. But there's another piece to this which might be as significant, and that is that I get to relate to Hashem. I get to cut through the haze of physicality, <clears throat> speak to my Creator, and grow in true Yir You know what means? <clears throat> Yir means I recognize Hashem's presence. Ms. Sharm explains the highest level of Yura is Yir Aromamus. What does Yir mean? When you're on the edge of the Grand Canyon and you look out <clears> at <throat> the majesty of the scene and the incredible depth and the incredible beauty, you're beginning to get an eye glimpse, when you begin to look at the cosmos, and you perceive the size, the grandeur, and you understand that I'm speaking to the Creator of all of this, and I'm speaking to Hashem right here, not way up there, not in Chicago, not far away, right here, I'm speaking to my Creator, and that is arguably one of the most life-changing experiences that a human being can have. And when a person does that, they grow in your Aromus, they grow in your shamayim they become a very different person. Sometimes we feel a little foreign from dominating, as in like, I mean Rabbi, it sounds nice, but me speaking to Hashem right there, how, how can I do I'm, I'm a physical being, and as you say, I, I relate to the world through my sense of touch, my sense of sight, and I don't see Hashem. How could I experience Hashem? And I'd like to share with you the single greatest mistake that we mortals make. You see, we feel that we are physical entities, and every once in a while we have a spiritual experience. Here I am, this physical being, and on Shabbos I feel Kaddush, I feel spirituality. Almost strange, because I'm a physical being, and, I, and, and every once in a while, temporarily, I, I experience spirituality. I'd like to share with you, nothing could be further from the truth. You are not a physical being temporarily experiencing spirituality. You are a spiritual being temporarily experiencing a physical reality. I began from under Hashem's throne of glory, <clears throat> from under this Kisei HaKover Hashem said, this is the generation into which you shall be born, into this <clears throat> birth order, into this family, this amount of talent, go out there, ford those streams, <clears throat> climb those mountains, When you've done your job, you'll answer for how much of you you became. But this state that I'm in right now is a temporary state. I began over there, put temporarily here, and when I leave, my body's put in the ground and I separate. But I, the one who thinks, I, the one who feels, I, the one who tells my arms and legs to move, I am utterly, completely spiritual. I am the one who tells my arms to move, I am the master of my ship. I, the one inside, am utterly, completely spiritual. And when you realize that, you begin to realize what tefillah is. You close your eyes and I speak to Hashem. And, let me just caution you, you need to say the words of Chazal because the words of Chazal (coughs) were written with tremendous wisdom. L'shman Esri was written by 120 Chachamim, amongst them many Neviim, and the words themselves create tremendous impact in the upper world. And at the same time that that's true, you have to speak in your mother tongue, you have to speak in English, whatever your mother tongue is, you speak to Hashem in your language, and you ask Hashem, and when you do that, you cut through this haze of physicality, you recognize Hashem, and you become a vastly different person. I think what Chazal is sharing with us is a profound insight. It's not possible that Yaakov Avina was afraid of Asa. Asa was powerful, 400 men, therefore what? Hashem was there. Hashem was there all the time. It's much more than you and I walking down the street and his entire U.S. Marine Corps. The problem that we face is that when I walk down the street, Hashem isn't here. And if Hashem is not here, Hashem is not relevant. And any issues of Amuna, any issues of Bitochan are predicated, begin with this understanding. Hashem is present. Because if Hashem is not here... It's like you and I walking down the street and I say to you, don't worry about those three thugs, I got a big gun at home. My big gun at home isn't going to help us, we're in trouble right now. And this understanding that Hashem is present all the time was something that Yaakovino lived with. He got up in the morning, he went to sleep at night, and all day, every day, Hashem was right there. And I'd like to share with you an interesting Muser exercise. If you would like to grow in real Yerushalayim, I have a Musr exercise that I highly recommend. I suggest, if you're married, that you warn your spouse ahead of time, or if you're in a dorm, warn your roommates. But tomorrow morning, before you say, I want you to say these words, I want you to say, Good morning, Hashem. Good morning, Hashem. And when you say, Good morning, Hashem, what you're doing is, you're recognizing Hashem's presence. And you say that during the day many times, 10 times, 20 times, 30 times hello Hashem, I just want to say hi I just want to acknowledge your presence hi, I just want to say hi and if you say hello to Hashem 20, 30 times a day, suddenly you live a very different world I'm not alone, I'm not experiencing this thing called life in a vacuum Hashem is with me 24-7 365 and you begin changing your existence now, I'd like to share with you that really there's an interesting way to do this. Uh, we have something called brachas. A bracha is an acknowledgement of Hashem's presence. Baruch at Hashem. Let's You, Hashem. Elokeinu Agon, melech olam, but right here. And this recognition means that I'm acknowledging Hashem's presence. The problem with brachas, to be honest with you, is we get so accustomed to saying them And that they lose their impact. So before you say the bracha, try this. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. Hello, Hashem. Good morning, Hashem. And when you begin speaking to your Creator on a regular basis, time after time, it begins dawning on you, it begins getting real, and becomes part of you, and you begin to understand oh my goodness, I get it. Hashem is present, Hashem is here and you become a vastly different person. This is the essence of Muna, the essence of Itochan. Yaakov <clears throat> Avinu, 24-7, therefore it wasn't possible he was afraid for us to you Javodah. And I'd like to close with one last observation. Uh, as a father, it's not always so easy to connect to your children, but it's imperative, it's vital that you find areas that you share together. Okay. When my oldest daughter was uh, 13, she was Loa Lenu, she was a Yankee fan. Uh, Listen, we tried to bring her up right, but listen, you know, some things happened. In any case, trying to be a good father, I decided, listen, you know, I'll take her to a Yankee game. Now, as a kid, I played sports, I was very very actively involved, but I wasn't big into spectator sports, and I had not been in a game in decades we show up at the game, and we're watching, and I'll describe to you a little bit of what I began experience. The pitcher gets up there. We throw the ball, we do... It was the most boring thing I'd ever experienced. After about 30, 40 chomps, he threw the ball, it was a ball... Bo- okay, by the top of the first inning, I was bored out of my mind. It's an interesting game if they do something, but... Okay, anyway happens to be that my daughter brought a biography of Derek Jeter. Okay, and I started reading. Now, Derek Jeter was the MVP, the all-star New York Yankees shortstop. In any case, I started reading. And in that book, I read something that was absolutely astonishing. Do you know that Derek Jeter showed up to every game four hours before the game started? Four hours before the game started, he suited up, showered, got ready, started stretching, started limbering up, and started throwing the ball. By the time the first pitch was thrown, he was four hours into the game. He wasn't just super talented. He had so focused his energies, and so much devoted himself to the game, that no kidding, he became one of the all-stars of all time. And with that, I discovered a very interesting concept. If you would like to make your davening meaningful, I have a very simple exercise. Don't show up to davening four hours before. <clears throat> don't even show up ten minutes before. That's a, that's a kind of, that the tzibur cannot be omade. But, <clears throat> how about the following? Spend ten minutes a day opening a science textbook. Spend ten minutes a day. <clears throat> don't go on the internet. But if you have to, <clears throat> go to any of the science <clears throat> sites and look at videos You want to go to something interesting, you go to theshmooze.com. We have Wonders of the World. These are 30 short videos about literally wonders of the world. Things from pelicans to bats to cosmos to incredible, incredible features of the physical world. And when you spend 10 minutes a day looking at this physical world and seeing the complex systems and seeing the majesty of it, you begin to get an appreciation of who your creator is. And when you're in this boning, when you contemplate the greatness of Hashem versus my fragility, the majesty of Hashem versus my own meager existence, and you recognize that I have the opportunity to speak to that great Creator, that changes your davening. That makes you a very different person. You'll spend two hours a day for the rest of your life. The question is, will it be powerful, will it be moving? Will it be a growth experience of the highest order? Or will it just be... Ba, 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 ba. It's based on one thing: how much prep, how much effort. I recommend you also ask Hashem for help, because we're allowed to ask Hashem even for help to <clears throat> daven, and we should. But you got to put in the effort. The effort is studying it, look at the briah When you do that, Hashem helps. Hashem opens your eyes, and you're able to experience Hashem in a very real way. And at this point, I'd like to open the floor too. Questions, thoughts, observations. I didn't go too long this time. Baruch Hashem. Um, Okay. Let me see if I can read this question. Baruch Hashem, I am a mother of a six year old child. I have a husband and a house to take care of. I have a job in which I work eight hours a day as well. Wow. For the past four years, we have been trying to have more children. Having fertility treatments on top of my busy schedule is not easy. I've still tried to pray so much in the past four years. I've cried a lot. I'm emotionally exhausted to get more time and energy to connect to Hashem is hard it feels like I don't have any more energy to get into it Okay, so let me let you in on a secret you're doing what you're supposed to be doing two things you, you, as you say you're going for, to fertility treatment right? you want to have more children who controls that outcome who determines whether you'll be successful or not I want to make a solid pranasa, that's very nice I have to put in my effort But the outcome is determined by Hashem. Children are determined by Hashem. And the one who holds the key is your Creator. Now, I don't know if you have to spend more time davening, but just coming to a core recognition, coming to an understanding. And by the way, again, a lot of this can be done in your downtime. When you're driving to work, excuse me, you say, good morning, Hashem. When you open the door, when you come into your house, lo, Hashem. You get used to knowing and understanding that Hashem is present. That alone changes it. And when you focus on the fact that Hashem is really, really in charge of every outcome. And let me actually say one more thing also. One of the big obstacles that we have is that we play God. I've said this many times before, but it bears being said again. One of the reasons we have a lot of trouble dominating is because I know what I need I explained it to Hashem, and Hashem doesn't get it. Uh, Hashem, I, explain, I exp- Listen, I need to marry this w- woman. I need to get my kid into this class. I need to get th- this job. I explained it to Hashem, and for some reason Hashem just won't play along. Hashem, what's the deal? You, you have tightness against me. You're angry with Hashem. What, what's the deal? That's called playing God. And <clears throat> playing God means, I know what I need, and I explained it to Hashem, and I expect Hashem to dutifully obey and follow through with my requests. So let me let you in on a little secret. I am the creation, Hashem is the creator. I see two inches in front of my nose, Hashem sees the future. I don't know what's best for me, Hashem does. When you ask and you ask and you ask and you ask, and it doesn't come, and you sincerely try, and you try fertility treatments, and you try, and it doesn't work, at a certain point, you know what you're supposed to say? Okay, I'm doing my part, and I will continue doing my part, it's very clear that Hashem doesn't feel that right now is the moment. But Hashem, why? Isn't it the best thing? Uh, Not so simple. Children are unique gifts, but each child needs a tremendous amount of attention, love, devotion. And having one child and bringing that child up properly is a mighty big accomplishment. And I know that factually, because one of the greatest women who ever lived did just that. Sarah who had one child, one, one child, one child, one child, not a dozen, not eighteen, not twenty-four, one child. Yitzuk was her only child, and she did pretty good. She's up there in the annals of like the greatest human beings who ever lived. But all she had was one kid. One kid. Come on, Rabbi. One kid. Come on. So, <clears throat> you know, one of the things you have to do is you have to step back and say, okay, I don't run the world. I know that Hashem loves me more than I love me. I know that Hashem knows better than I what's for my best. And when you understand that and contemplate that, again, your job is to do your shtadlis. If it's proper, if it's appropriate, you do what you're supposed to do, which is sounds like what you're doing. And at the same time, <clears throat> if it doesn't go, you have to step back and say, I get it. Hashem doesn't feel that right now is the time. I'm still going to do my shtadlis, I'm still going to try. But <clears throat> listen, I trust that Hashem knows better than I what's for my best. So hopefully that will give you a little more energy when you uh, <clears throat> to dominate and to, to to engage in that process. Okay, Avram, you have your hand up? Let's see here. What do you got? Avram, you with us? Um, I don't hear you. <clears throat> it says talking permitted, but Avram, I do not hear you. It sounds like you're trying to speak, but if your mic isn't on, uh, okay. Actually, I'm going to ask you all for a second. Um, So, uh, there's a response to to what I said to to this this woman with this fertility issues, and the response is yes, I understand what you're saying, but it's still very painful. There's no question. I'm not I'm not here to tell you it's not painful. And I'm not questioning for a minute that it's very, very difficult and it's a real Nisayan. What I'm saying to you is that sometimes knowing that Hashem knows better than I what's for my best is an important concept. You know, you look around and Rahman al you see kids who are sick or kids who have emotional problems or kids who go through things or the kids who go off the derich. And you see that raising children is not so simple. Your goal is to have healthy, wholesome children who you bring up to be over there, Hashem. But it's not such a simple process. And it could well be that Hashem knows better than you why right now is not the best time. And as hard as it is, it's only hard because I know, I know what I need. I know what's on my best. And stepping back and saying, well, maybe I don't. Maybe if I had a child now, X, Y, and Z would happen. Maybe if I had a child now, some catastrophe, who knows what. But I know one thing, Hashem knows better than I what is for my best. I trust Hashem. It's not easy, it's never easy, and that's a great challenge, but that's where the work is at, and that's really where the growth is. Okay, Alicia says, I hear him. Well, I sure don't, so I apologize. Uh, Oh, you know what the problem may be? It might be my problem. Oh, my goodness, it could be that my sound isn't up on my... um, let me check my sound no my sound is up built in speaker my sound is on all right Grace Tzadik we haven't heard in a long time from you Shalom Aleichem how are we doing Edward uh oh I can't hear you is it my sound uh, now I hear you yes about, uh, uh, yeah can you hear me I hear you Shalom Aleichem hi <laughs> okay so we we're talking about kids and uh, you know the first Mitzvah uh, is be fruitful and multiply right Edward, so kids like have... you and me. <laughs> Edwards, you know what I'm saying? Kids like you and I, not like the rest of the people here. Yeah. Uh, okay. So in my school, I have wonderful rabbis. One has nine kids just delivered nine, and uh, his brother expecting six kids. So my question is: Well, I got married very, very late in Soviet Union, like 27. Now I'm 63. I also have 30 kids by now, <clears throat> or uh, fruitful I supposed to be. <clears throat> Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. how many, how many you you married? How long you married? Uh, 35 years. I have two daughters. <laughs> two daughters. They give you nachas. Oh, a lot. No, just really, really a lot. Yes, they are very good kids. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. <laughs> like very successful, making tons of money and very beautiful. Beautiful. Career. Have you explained to them the job of children? The job of children is to support their parents. Have you explained that to them? Uh, well, they didn't expect that I needed any help from them, but nowadays, yes. I made it clear <laughs> to all of my children. I made it clear yes. to all of my in-law kids as well. And their job is to support Mommy and Abba. We're supposed to retire. I'm supposed to sit and learn. And they're supposed to... But infor- I don't know why. Somehow, I haven't yet communicated that lesson very well. As a matter of fact, they misunderstood it. And they somehow understood it, the opposite, okay, anyway, yeah, Baruch Hashem, you have kids, and, and thank God, and how many kids, you see, Edward, let me, you, let me be honest with you, the goal here in life is to serve Hashem the way Hashem wants us to serve Him, and the goal is not to pop out 50 kids, 100 kids, uh, you know, be reckless, and the job is to have as many children that you could bring up to be proper, wholesome, of their Shem, But a wholesome child means you have to give that child attention, love, care, devotion. If you're going to have 10 kids in 10 years, I don't know, there are some unique people. There are some unique people who are so put together. I've been in homes where there are many children close in age, and each child is unique, special. Each child gets the attention from the parents that they need, but it's it's a rarity. Uh, It's a rarity. Usually, I hate to be honest, usually they'd be better off Going a little slower because each child needs each child's a world, and each child needs a world of attention. And you're not accomplishing anything by just cranking out babies and not having the time or attention to bring them up properly. So, all right, Asherach v'Tovlach, Edward, always good to hear from you. You're young, sixty-three. All right, and many, many more years. Okay. All right. Uh, Thank you. Okay, thanks. All right. Okay, so again, I want to mention. the 10 Really Dumb Mistakes That Very Smart Couples Make Is Finally Out It Is Published It's In Swarm Stores If You Would Like A Copy Of The Real Book This Book Is The Real Deal It's Got All Of The uh, All Of The Pictures I Got To Find The Pictures In A Moment uh, We Sent Out I, Again I, I Mentioned In The Beginning We Sent Out About 10,000 Copies To Marriage Therapists To and college Teachers And I've Gotten Rave Reviews People have been telling me it's a great book. Why was not written long ago? I want to buy so many copies. I want to give it to each I learned with. If you'd like your copy, it's available on com. It's now, uh, it's also available in the swarm stores. It was just, uh, it just arrived. Uh, it may not be in all the swarm stores because it just shipped out. It just arrived on Tuesday. Right. It came in Tuesday. I got a copy. But the beauty of the book is the pictures. I love the pictures, the illustrations. There, I hired uh, a fellow in Israel. Chaim Dove, Dove Bear, I'm sorry, Dove Bear Cohn, who did the illustrations. And if if you're familiar with the book, you'll see the tappers and listeners. The um, you know each of the ten really dumb mistakes has a the I don't know. I'm very into the illustrations because I think it really brings out the points, and I think it really makes it. It is considered. I think it's a very important book. I I can't tell you, it as a tools that bond. Um, why am why am I you know I did well in kindergarten. It was the last... Last grade I did well, and so that's why I'm so into illustrations and colors. But the reason I mention it is because I think I spent an inordinate amount of time trying to make this material accessible. It is also shortly going to be available, in the audiobook. I'm in the process of re- narrating it, and it is, I, I love it. It's I, I created my own little sound studio, and I got a special mic, my, my preamp, I got it all set up, and it's coming, I of a sound engineer, it's Chaz De Hashem. the reason I say that is because a lot of people don't read but listening in the car uh, is is usable so and please look forward to it again if you'd like a copy if you go to the schmooze.com on the top you'll see a banner you can click for it or you go to your local swarm store please make yourself uh, please please make yourself uh, please access it It's uh, I, again I consider I think it's very very important also if you're not on the Schmooze WhatsApp Kizik list Please go to the site, you click over there, and three, four times a week you'll receive the short inspirational videos. Anytime if you have questions, you can feel free to email me, Rebby at the dot com. Um, I have a couple of questions here, Avram wrote in. Um, let me see if I could... Uh, um, not a question, it seems not to work on the website at the checkout. It shows empty on the shmooz. What? On the 10 Really Dumb Mistakes? Empty? Help! One second. This is an emergency. Uh, excuse me for checking this as we speak, but I don't think that... I hope that's not true. I'm on the and I go to, finally... Yeah, that's that's the page, and there, get the copy. Alicia, I'm not sure what you mean. You mean the... <clears throat> if you want a copy of the 10 Really Dumb Mistakes, go to the schmooze. theshmu <clears throat> and then click on the banner. It'll take you right to the landing page where it describes a book, and then you could purchase a book right from there. Um, Okay. But let me see if I can take Avram's question. The question is, when Yaakov went back to Haram Maria, Hashem made him go fast and set the sun right away. Question, why does Hashem need to do both, Nisan? Question two, it seems he knew what it was, so why was he surprised when he woke up as if he didn't know? Good. Question three, why do we need to know the story in the Torah? okay, so Rashi explains that when Yaakov Avinu traveled, apparently he didn't stop at Haram Maria, and the others all davened there, and therefore it was almost like a complaint, why didn't he? Once he realized that he didn't stop there, he turned to go back, because he said, Oye, my Ovos davened at Haram Maria, I didn't, so he went back. When he went back, then Hashem made the sun set and brought that place to him, however the Medjur learns exactly. Now, at that point, he did not realize it was Har, Har- At that point, the sun set, so he had to sort of camp there for the evening. He laid his head down. When he saw the dream, at that moment, that's when he recognized the Malachim going up and down. This must be the place of the base of Mikdash, because a ladder was slanted right over it. This must be... Uh, and at that moment, he woke up and said this is a holy place I did not even know now the problem was he couldn't not go back to sleep because he can't travel it's the middle of the night uh, it's a dangerous place so he went back to sleep and in the morning he woke up and continued his ways so um, okay okay um. oh he clicked the clicked the checkout the card is empty Hold on a second. Get your copy now. Uh, it asks me to fill in a name. When I go to the schmooze.com and I click the banner, it takes me to a page. On the page, it says, get your copy now. And then a pop-up asks me for my, my name and etc. I'm not sure what... You, what uh, mine seems to work. I got a... I do not have any trouble with this. I'm sorry. I um, Get your copy now. Yeah. <clears throat> when I click get your copy now, it pops up a pop-up. All right. I'm not sure. In any case, if you would like a copy of The Ten Really Dumb Mistakes The Very Smart Couples Make, please go to theschmooze.com. It does work. I, For me, it works anyway. Don't go to Alicia's uh, <laughs> page, <coughs> go to theschmooze.com, and hopefully you won't have difficulty. If you do, send me an email. But again, I don't think you have any trouble. And again, it is available on the Storms Swords. I thank you very much for joining. I wish you a good Shabbos, and I hope to see you next week. Thank you.